0: I started last week, uh, I think it was on Wednesday night, talking about staying in the love of God. And I know there's so much that can be talked about that. And I I mentioned, uh, started with the 24th chapter where it says, because iniquity shall abound, sin, the love of many shall wax cold. And Because of sin, because of life, because of iniquitous behavior, people fall out of love. And then it says the next verse, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And we know that bitterness and anger and frustration and fear and anxiety and hurt our world is right now full of all of that, you know. Um, no matter what, who you are or what you have, your job, it, it can be frustrating to uh, know that in the moment, uh, someone uh, sent me an email and they had just learned that Uh, Dr. Fauci's wife was head of the biotech of National Institute of Health, which tells uh, whatever, you know, that gives, sets the need for masks or sets the need for vaccinations or whatever. And they were saying, Can you believe it? And they were frustrated. They just found that out and you could just feel the frustration and feel the angst and I I don't know her and didn't know that she's there and and it sounds like a wonderful family affair and I, I have no idea what's going what in the left hand and the right hand and I don't know. I'm not even, I don't know if it's true. That's what they they found out or said. And do I believe it's possible? Absolutely. Do I think, and, and then, you know, the bitterness and the anger and the frustration and seeing what's unfolded in Afghanistan after, you know, 20 years of fighting and our soldiers and doing, and all of a sudden, just in a matter of, days, it's all upside down. You think people are angry about that? Frustrated about that? Feeling a little bit (laughs) upset, anxious? In fact, I I heard where two of our representatives flew a, a late night mission into Afghanistan to watch it. One was a Republican and one was a Democrat and and the rest of the house just uh, up, were upset because they said, you were endangering others and yourself. And, and uh, so they said, well, we wanted to go look and see for ourselves," And it made people mad, made them frustrated. And folks from the left and the right were saying, you should have no business going to Afghanistan. I don't remember which two it was, but what are you saying? We're living in an in an hour where it's easy for the love to wax cold. The love for the country, the love for what's going on. And I mentioned last week that you have to become accountable and we are accountable in many ways financially, academically, in other words, You know, you can't go to your boss and say, I think I want $500 an hour this week. I mean, unfortunately, he'll look at you and say, I'm sorry, Uh, we didn't agree on that vocationally or legally or your occupation, I'm sorry, you know? And so, finding a, a way to be accountable is part of our lives and yet, in order to be accountable, you have to be vulnerable, you have to be teachable, you have to be honest, and you have to be available. And I mentioned that. And I, uh, I, I didn't say this, but uh, I understand that. Um, I, I don't know if any of you played marbles when you were little where you had marbles and we used to play at school and um, (coughs) some days I went to school with five marbles and came back with lots of marbles. Some days I went to school with five marbles and came home with no marbles. And anybody ever play marbles? And if you're not careful, church is like a bag of marbles. And it's not supposed to be a bag of marbles. It's supposed to be like a bag of grapes. In other words, if you're hard and you're, you come in and I don't need to talk to anybody, I don't need to see anybody, I'm just here, I do my thing, it's all about me, I've got a shell. Huh? There is no teachability, I'm just here, there is no vulnerability. There is no honesty. You know, I can come and I can pretend that I'm, everything in my life is going great and I don't have any problems and I'm just like a marble. Or I can say, Lord, I want to be a great. I want to I I be allowed to be crushed and I want to feel and I want to be felt and I want somebody to be able to squeeze me and get something out of it. You understand what I'm saying? And that's why Paul wrote in Hebrews and we read it, let us offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate forget not for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And then he goes into obey those that have the rule over you, submit yourselves for they watch. Why was he saying be vulnerable, be teachable, be real? They give an account. Why? Because in this hour, that's how to do good and to communicate. You can't stay in the love of God if you are hard. And yet, this society is making us all hard. Huh? (laughs) Who do I trust? Who do I have faith in? Who do I believe? Who do I say, okay, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get behind that individual. I'm going to trust that. You know, and, and whether you're Whatever your political persuasion, whatever your your view on a number of subjects, whether it's you know you can say from getting a vaccine to you know what to do about this or that or healthcare, or, you know your five oh four oh one k 501, whatever it is, and. Uh, you know, because all of a sudden cryptocurrency and this problem and that problem, huh? what are we going to do? You're going to be frustrated. And I know <coughs> you, you can say, hard to be vulnerable, Matthew the 12th chapter says a good man out of the good treasure brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. By every, I say to you, every idle word shall men give account of in the day of judgment. And that was um, one of the verses my grandmother used to quote to me all the time, idle words. I, I didn't know what all that meant, but it was just by every word that we speak that is not Uh, full of the love of God. It, It becomes, you know, what do I trust? What do I have hope in? What do I have faith in? In Romans, the 14th chapter, every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And then it talks about love. Of course, we know in Corinthians where it talks about love, and that's an important chapter. But here in Romans, the 12th chapter, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, and preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, and I read this last week, serving the Lord, and then it says this phrase, rejoicing in hope. When you are full of the love of God, you will rejoice in hope. Patient in what? And when you're in tribulation, it can zap the love of God and you lose patience. How many have said, I'm sick and tired. As a pastor, I can tell you I have. I've said things like, I'm tired of Corona. I'm tired of people not being able to be in the house. I'm tired of people being sick. Not very patient sometimes in tribulation. You say, well, you stay full of the love of God. It's hard. I got a witness? Lord, how long, Lord? How long, Lord? How long do I have to go through this? What do we have to do? Come on, Lord. And it's almost, at times, I've had the Lord kind of quicken my heart and say, when you're going to start praying, even so, Lord, and I got to confess, there have been a few times when I've, I've been guilty of saying, Lord, come on. And I know, I, I know there are people that need to be saved and we want to reach them and I don't want anybody to not be saved, but I, I have to confess, there have been times that I've about lost my patience. Amen. Anybody there? And then I have to fill back up on the love of the Lord. Because I say, Lord, you know who needs to be saved, who you're dealing with. Come on, work them over, Lord, so they'll make the right choice. No, Lord, be merciful. huh? continuing, instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless those that persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not the high things, but condescend to men of low estate. In other words, you have to be humble in this hour. And this is an hour in which very few folks seem to be humble. It's a quality we don't have in the world anymore. Everybody can tell everybody how they ought to do everybody else's job and what everybody ought to do. Does so anybody ever notice that? Well, I'll tell you how I would. Okay. And he goes through, recompense, no, don't be wise in your own conceits, recompense, no man, evil for evil, provide things in the sight of all men, if possible, and lies within you, live peaceably with all men. So, this last line here, hope is to have an expectation of fulfillment. He said rejoicing, notice that phrase, rejoicing in hope. Everybody say that, rejoicing in hope. Say it, rejoicing in hope. Now how do you rejoice in hope? Hope is to have an expectation of fulfillment and anticipation. Something's going to happen, something in the future. I read a statement many years ago that if you take a man's money away from him you can hinder him. If you take away his purpose, you can slow him down. But if you take away his hope, it's over. And we all have read and heard of individuals in concentration camps and prisoner of war camps. And what is it that the enemy tries to do? Rob them of hope. Nobody's coming for you, nobody cares about you, nobody's looking for you. You're not ever going to get out of here. Why do they say that? There's no hope. There's no hope. And we who are full of the love of God are supposed to be rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Now. What, are, what does the word "rejoice" mean? I mean, I know it's Wednesday night, and I realize, and I, this is for us, and I. I know you hear you hear me say I'm teaching to the choir. Brother White told me sometimes the choir needs to be taught to. <laughs> That's true. But what does it mean to rejoice? Is everybody rejoicing right now? I mean, what is rejoicing not? When you hear the word rejoice, what do you think of? Getting a little animated, raising your hand. Whoop! Man! The Bucks are coming on the field. Whoo! Oh, Age! Huh? Man! Go, team! Go! Right? You know, most of us, when we hear the word rejoice, don't think of Boy, look at how pastor's rejoicing up there. Well, we don't, I mean, if you say the word rejoice, we kind of have a sense of what that means, right? And according to psychologists, and I know you're not, you haven't had the training and read all the books and had to go through all the tests. Unfortunately, I did at one point in my life. But they say that it's called your affect. A-F-F-E-C-T. Your affect. How many have ever heard of the word? He has a flat affect. Or they've got an animated affect. And that was one of the things that You know, as a psychologist, you come in and and we were writing down, we were describing your affect. He was, uh, uh, and and we described it in two different continuums. One was a state of arousal, either high arousal or low arousal. And then the other one was a state of valence, or balance. It was that sense of valence was either unpleasant valence or very pleasant valence. And so you would describe someone's affect in terms of like this quadrant. They were either upper right, they were lower left, lower right, upper left. Now valence is you sounds like a big term for something that's everybody understands you know um, some of you may remember the children's book of Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore would have had a very unpleasant valence you know woe is me I got a rain cloud above my head everything's bad it's gloomy He also had low arousal, the typical, uh, you see what I'm saying? Where you just looked at him and you were thinking, oh man, I I don't even want to talk to this guy. You you, you follow me? So it's low valence means that he had a very unpleasant outlook, you know, it's kind of like. somebody that sees a $5 bill on the street and says, I know I shouldn't pick that up because it's probably stolen and I might have germs and, you know, I just don't want to, it's going to be something bad about it. And so people (coughs) have this valence. Now, when you think of rejoice, where you? Which quadrant do you think you should be in? The high arousal and pleasant. Something good's going to happen. You, you see what I'm saying? It should be man, both high energy and thinking that something good is about to come to pass. Now, the enemy's job for all of us is to get us from pleasant valence, if you will, down to unpleasant valence. So, now the arousal state, if you, get, if you can go from right to left in the valence and you get depressed, then you can see that somebody when somebody's upset, and they're angry, and they're frustrated. They're in a heightened state of arousal, but they just don't see any good coming out of this. You understand what I'm saying? And and so somebody that is just miserable and displeased is got you know their arousal is low. It's just flatlined. They're just miserable. I'm not super depressed, but I'm not angry or upset. And those that are depressed or lethargic are down in that lower left-hand quadrant. Those that are serene and calm are over in the upper or or in the bottom right-hand corner. Well, anyway, the point of all of that is when you think about that state of arousal and why that is important and I know even years ago and we've seen it play out in our own unfortunately in the news when an individual is in a heightened state of arousal then a lot of mistakes can be made a lot of things can be said or done as a matter of fact, they've done studies with police, you know, in teams that they run them through the paces and they're showing them the pictures and you got to shoot all the bad guys. And in that heightened state of arousal, some kid takes out a cell phone and looks like a gun. Huh? Bang, bang, bang. Why? Because they were in a heightened state of arousal. so they try to teach the police officers to bring it down. Don't let the adrenaline start running, flowing, pumping, right? Because in that moment of excitement, in that moment of high adrenaline, I know we say seeing is believing but sometimes when you believe you can actually see. And they've they've proven that statistically it's called affect realism. In a moment of your affect can impact what you see. Now we call it having rose colored glasses or You know, the person that always says the glass is half full, the other one that says it's half empty, depends on where your valence is, you see what I'm saying? And so why is that important? Because the enemy's job is to get me to see everything through a, a lens that Does that says God is not good? God is not faithful. God doesn't love me. God is not on my side. He started this in the garden with Eve. God's keeping something from you. He's been doing this for six thousand years. This is why we understand as individuals that are trying to live for God here on Wednesday night in the choir if you will the importance of coming into the house of the Lord praising God, worshiping God is changing our affect that's why he says rejoicing in hope because if you're not careful You want to be depressed? You can be depressed. There's enough out there. You know, somebody, I I get calls from points of refuge and ministers and children of ministers and all this, and they'll they'll take 5, 10, 20 minutes going through all the things that have happened to me, to them rather, and they'll say, "I, I just feel depressed. And I'm like, I'm depressed now and I try not to tell them that so I mean it doesn't matter if you're a preacher, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher candlestick maker, banker huh, why because that's the job, the job of the enemy is somehow to get us off of the love of God, what God has done for us, what God is doing for us, how God is on our side. God has never left me. He's not forsaken me. He hasn't left me alone. And when I'm in the midst of trial and tribulation and turmoil and problems, I forget the love of God for God loved me. I forget to raise my hands and rejoice and say, Lord, I'm so thankful. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what my family, you don't know what our church has been through. You don't know what has happened in our home. You don't know what my kids have done. You don't know what my spouse does. And, and I, yeah, you're right. I, man, I agree with you. But we are supposed to rejoice in hope. Wow. And I, I looked and I, I looked here at first Peter and I know this sounds like it was talking to preachers because it talks about uh, that they are oversight of the flock of God. But I, I was listening and of course Sunday morning, Sunday night and and hearing and I, I was so tremendous uh, all of the lessons, all of the, the, the teaching, all of the testimonies, how they were. It really pouring into the hearts and minds of those in the youth group and those in the Sunday school department and trying to encourage them and to get them to remember. And I thought it was vital that that one generation reaching the next generation, reaching the next generation, I thought it was a tremendous day. Maybe you didn't, but I, I was like, hallelujah this was awesome in so many instances of, of the work and yet I, I realized that of course here we are on Wednesday night and I know we have hyphen and we have family life and we have and we're supposed to we are the elders we are the choir and what does Simon Peter say to it the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that shall be, feed the flock of God which is among you. You say, well, okay, that's to the preachers, I mean, they're supposed to preach the Bible, they're supposed to preach the word. I agree, all that, but it also, uh, what are we feeding this next generation? Hey, let me tell you something. Hang on on to God. God is able to take you. And I've heard some of you say, you know, tell them, listen, I got the Holy Ghost. Oh, that sounds like my testimony. I want to tell you, God can do it for you. We're supposed to be feeding them some words of encouragement. Let me tell you, hang in there. You can make it. I know, and I I, I had some say, well, my story is a lot like so-and-so's story. Did you tell them? You need to tell them. Hey, let me tell you, all right? Man, I heard where you were. I want you to know I appreciate it. Keep coming. Don't lose out. Hang in there. Pray. I'm going to be your prayer partner. I'm going to text you once a week. Find out how you're doing. Huh? Huh? Well, that's somebody else's job. Why? Because I know the enemy is doing everything he can to pull us down. Out of this rejoicing in hope. And I know, I get it. I I understand, you know. I'll come up to you and you can say, "What do you think God you going to make a way where there seems to be, you know, yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you think God loves you? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think he loves me. Yeah, I mean, for God so loved the world, I mean, I'm part of the world. Well, you think God's on your side? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, sure. As long as I'm on his side, probably, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that rejoicing in hope? I don't know. I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm saying, Lord, let your word talk to us here. I got to rejoice in hope. Hallelujah. I want you to know God's been good. I feel revival in the air. I feel like God's fixing it do some mighty miracles. I'm just wait, can't wait to see what's going to happen in the day. Oh God, another virus outbreak. Jesus, help us. Delta Lambda. Huh? I brought in two new hand sanitizers. That's because The the church supply company had them for about three-fourths off, two-thirds off, whatever it was, because I'm sure they were backlogged, had too many of them. So they were cheaper than they used to be before the virus. So I said, well, I'll get some. So you can go try one out by the door and uh, squirt away. Shake hands with somebody and then rub your hand. hallelujah. Say, well, what's going to happen? I don't know. But here he said, feed the flock, taking oversight, not by constraint, this is King James Version, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Our job is to feed, encourage, strengthen, well, nobody strengthened me. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Strengthen one another. What is oversight? It means the care, to inspect, to look after. Oh Lord, if I, if I see one of them not here, I've been missing them, I need to inspect. Constraint, not by compulsion or force. And I understand. There used to be a day when we would, you know, command folks. Force them. You better get in the altar. You need to pray through. You need to straighten up. But he said, don't do it out of trying to force it. You know what? You can't force anybody in this hour. I I mean, I... It's always hilarious. I have people tell me, well, Pastor, you need to... And I'm thinking, okay, what what do you think I have the authority to do? Huh? Get them. Okay, I'll get them. What's gonna happen when they're got? Probably become offended in this hour because of iniquity, many shall be offended. Huh? The love. Now, I know you think that I, a pastor, and, and hey, I remember my pastor used to say, hey, sit down. I got, I got in fact, corrected by my pastor one day for rolling a marble down a pew. We didn't have chairs, we had a pew. My pastor said, son, I'm gonna see you after church. It was my dad, but... And I wasn't making a lot of noise. It was just that the pew went down in the back and you could roll a marble from one end of the pew all the way to the other. I told you I like to play marbles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could. I can I oh I can correct my grandchildren and I can correct my children and I can get a hold and correct my wife. How long can I do all of that by constraint? Huh? Before they start growing up and they rebel and they say sorry. Huh? Right. Oh no. Anyway, he said willingly because it's got to be of their it's got to be of their own accord and I realize that and, and I you know I, if someone is not willing to try to live for God and serve God there's nothing I can do to make them. I can't make my if I'm not choosing myself, I know they're not going to choose. Is this the hour that if mama doesn't make me go to church, I don't, you know. You know, the old joke about the guy that's, you know, his wife tells him, honey, you need to get up and go to church today. I'm not going. Nobody there shakes my hand. Nobody has a kind word. Nobody says anything nice to me. Nobody speaks to me. I go in. They don't, I know, but dear, you're the pastor. But in this hour, you know, it's hard to constrain people to do anything if they're not willing. Not out of filthy lucre and that's base gain. It's not all about me, what I can get out of it, selfish. And I, nobody here, but I've seen people that, you know, I'm going to come to church so that I can... You know, make a lot of contacts cuz I'm trying to sell something or I'm trying to do something. If the only reason you're coming to church is to what you can get out of it, you've missed it. It's not about what I get out of it. It's what can I bring to God? Bring to the body. That's what he was saying to the elders. We're supposed to feed the flock. Ready minded. But with a ready mind. You know what a ready mind is? It's Greek, it's interpreted alacrity. Everybody knows what that is, right? Google it. It means cheerfully, briskly, it means being over in that upper right hand quadrant, high arousal. A ready mind in the King James Version means with a cheerfulness. You know, like God loves what kind of giver? Oh, they're taking up another offering. Not as lords over God's heritage, not trying to subdue, not trying to put somebody under subjection, but as an example of someone to imitate, of someone to look to. And notice verse uh, 4 in this fifth chapter. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. What are you saying? In the midst of all of this, what have you got to keep foremost in your mind? The Lord is coming again. The Lord is coming again. I don't know, I thought he was gonna come in 2020. I never thought we were gonna make it through when all the virus hit. I thought, you know, surely this is, God's bringing a funnel right now. But you know what, here we are in 2021. The Lord could easily come before the end of the year. Oh, uh, uh, Sister Spirit, sit me there. Question the other day from Revelation, and it was, does the temple have to be rebuilt or not? And I, I I was answering and I was trying to explain to her, and I thought, you know what? The Lord could come tonight, the Lord could come in the next five minutes. I want you to know the chief shepherd is coming back. All you got to do get in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of the fight is say, Lord, that one day you're coming again. I'm so thankful that I know you. I'm so thankful that I can feel you. I'm so thankful. Yes. I got to stay in the love of God because if I don't what you know, you say, well. And then he says, Younger, Submit yourselves to the elders. All be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. Here it is. That humility is vital. Because is it possible to be teachable, to be vulnerable, to be any of those things that I mentioned and not have humility? If you're not, if you're not humble, nobody can tell you anything. If you're not humble, you're not going to be there for anybody else. You're not available. It's all about you. Huh? If you're not humble, it's kind of like a marble. Nothing touches you. And so this is where the grapes, you know, you say, well, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you, and then what is it? You've got to start releasing your anxiety, casting all your... Why are we doing this? Because I need to rejoice in hope. I can't carry all the anxiety. I can't carry all the worries. I can't carry... You say, do, do you, are you wor- sure? Are you concerned? Sure. Are you? Yes, but at some point you've got to cast them to the Lord. You've got to bring it to the Lord. You got to say, Lord, I don't know. I, and I've had people tell me, Well, you know, what should you do about this? And I'm saying, Lord, I don't know. I, all I know is I bring it to the Lord, and I say, Lord, this is above my pay grade. This is above my level of understanding. I don't. I don't have the skills. I don't have the wherewithal. You're gonna have to step in here you're going to have to move. Why? It keeps reminding me Lord you love me. I'm sorry I can't I don't have the answer I'm casting my care on him but I'll pick it up if you're not if you let me tell you what you really need to do about that Lord That's why I used the phrase casting and it's not meaning with a fishing line. I'm going to throw it on the Lord and then slowly bring it back. That Greek word for cast means to throw it with all your might. Say, it's not mine anymore. Sorry, I know, the enemy has bombarded it, bombarded my mind and heart, but I'm going to just release that. And then he says, be sober and be vigilant. What does sober mean? Calm, temperate, calm, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Vigilant, pay awake, paying attention. He wants to aggressively eat you up. Do we have a spirit out there now that is aggressively trying to destroy instill fear and panic and dread and fr- huh? Well, there's always been I- Maybe it's just because I'm older and whatever, I don't know. But it feels like to me, we've in the last two years have been bombarded with more spiritual attack than ever before. And you know how quickly it will eat you up? in our society, for those of you who think that I'm just making this up, our society is all the time, I, I, get, I get a variety of newsletters and things and they'll say, you know, you, you need to start trying to do something because people are, are being more aggressive in airplanes, being more aggressive in the supermarkets, being more aggressive in the parking lots. This is up this many percentage and that's up and down more and more murders and more violence and more robbery and more aggression and more frustration. Huh? He says, be sober, be vigilant, there's a spirit out there. Whom resist, how steadfast in the faith knowing that the same affliction, wow, are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world." You know what he was saying? He was saying that at this point, in this hour, Simon Peter was saying this to the early church 2,000 years ago, you're going to have to set yourself against these spirits, you're going to have to be steadfast, which means strong, solid, immovable, firm in the faith. What is the faith? In the understanding of who God is, he is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the Creator. He's the one that spoke the worlds into existence. He's the one that's coming back again. I know what Jesus did. He died for my sins. He is not here to leave me in the midst of this time. I know in whom I have believed, and He is able to keep that which I've committed. I have faith. I've got to be steadfast and immovable and, and hold on. This is all about who He is, not about who I I am, or what I'm going through. It's about the love of God, but the God of all grace. He said the afflictions, the calamities, the misfortune, the sufferings that you're in happening to you have been accomplished in our brethren throughout the world. And I'm I'm just be real with you. Every once in a while. it does me good when I text Australia and Singapore and some of these other and I hear they haven't been allowed to even come to church and they're not allowed to Huh? And it reminds me, you know what? The Lord's been good to us. Yes. I still feel the love of God. Huh? And I know. Brother Tracy's in pain tonight. Brother Tim Galoni's here. Brother Richard Luzader and Brother Wickline. I can go through the congregation, those that have lost loved ones and all. But you know what? It tells me, hang in there. God's still, look, they're still loving God. They're still holding on to God. They're still praising God. What does that tell me? No matter what I'm going through, God, you haven't forgotten us. You haven't left us. And he goes on. He says, resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions accomplished in your brethren. And then uh, the 10th verse, but the God of all grace, which hath called us into his eternal Glory by Christ Jesus after that you have suffered a while. Notice this after you've suffered a while. I don't want to suffer a while. But do you know what he's gonna do? Gonna make you perfect. No spot, no wrinkle. Oh, I don't like going through. I, I'm perfect without all of this. I know. I get it. I'm, I'm there. He's going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to settle you. Four things. What are you saying to him? Be glory and dominion forever. What are you saying? God uses our suffering somehow to make us complete and whole and to repair and to heal and to get out all the junk that we can't even see and know that's there. God, oh, what do you say? I'm going through this. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Does that mean he was disobedient? No, but somehow he learned a different dimension of what it is. Oh, God, help us. When we go through it, he is somehow perfecting us, establishing us. What does that mean? To make stable to set fast, to be immovable, to fix, to be as strong as steel, tough as fiber, to get a bulldog grip on God. That's why the compliment is on Wednesday night is the choir, why? Because I'm not talking about a high ho. Hallelujah time on Sunday morning and that's the only time I come in and feel a few goosebumps, but I'm talking about a God that can walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He is able to be there in the midnight hour. He's able to make a way where there is no way. Not talking about, I'm talking about something that will establish you. Not every wind of doctrine, and I know, and I, we've all seen folks that just seemingly, they, they, you know, they can't hardly last. They have no root system. They have no, the wind, the first little windstorm that comes by. Huh? God, give us something like a tree planted by the water, staying in the love of God. To strengthen you. To make your soul strong. To remove fragility. You know what I'm talking about. And you've seen folks that come. And, and it's like oh Lord. Whatever you do. Make sure you say hi. or Huh? They're fragile right now. Huh? He said God wants to make you strong. He wants to settle you. What is that? Establish the foundation. Establish. Drive us back to the bedrock of our faith. And then he said to him, be glory and dominion. What is it supposed to produce? God. To worship and praise God. I, I don't have time, the time's up. But you read Psalms 42. You read Psalms 71. Read Psalms 43. David talks about, you know what the God, I, I I got hope. Lord, I the God of my hope. You so don't know what I start praising the Lord on the psaltery, I start rejoicing in hope. David talked about rejoicing in hope. What are you talking about? I I'm gonna praise him. I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna worship. I'm gonna in hope. And what does it say about Abraham, got the verses there, we won't read them, he, who against hope believed, in what, the Bible, he didn't have a Bible, believed in the church, didn't have a church, believed in baptism in Jesus, he didn't know who Jesus was. He just heard a voice that said, leave your family and go look for a city whose foundation and builder and maker is God. And the Bible said he left, not knowing whether he went, but who against hope believed in. Hope. I don't have anything else to believe in. I'm going to believe in hope. What are you saying? Oh, that's just pie in the sky stupidity. Oh, no, my friend. That's called rejoicing in hope. In this hour, we got to stay full of the love of God. We've got to come in every service and if you say, I don't have anything to thank God for. I don't have anything to praise God for. My life's been an absolute terror all day, all week. Then start saying, Lord, I'm going to rejoice that one of these days you're coming again. One of these days, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm here to rejoice. Yeah. I don't feel like rejoicing. No, but devil, you thought that last one was going to bring my affect down, the tooth down into where I was going to sit on my hands, but I'm here to tell you I'm going to raise them. I'm going to worship. I'm going to clap. I'm going to rejoice in hope. Yeah. Hallelujah.